One of the best things we can do as educators is to teach kids to look around and find the problems in their community and start solving those problems, making their world a better place, just like the educator on today's episode is doing. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited that on today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast, we get to chat with Matt Ziegler. He is doing some incredible things with his students to press those boundaries of getting kids making, not just making something that's fun and a craft, but making something functional, something that can help people's lives, help solve problems in the community. Welcome to the show today, Matt. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, first off, Matt, just tell us a little bit about how you got into education in the first place. So I started out as an art teacher for about mm-hmm. 10 years. Wait, hold, really... hold on. Art and STEM. I, I, the... <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's great. I yeah, love that. I, so. I, don't, I don't use the term STEAM, but you know that, I know that that's out there. Yep. Yeah. So my background is as an artist. That's what I did in school. Um, I have a master's in fine art. All my grandparents were teachers, had a lot of educators in the family. And I really had a sixth grade art teacher, I think, at that point that really inspired me to to want to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And even though art was my thing, I always felt like the way that I was going to allow art to be my thing was was through teaching. That's awesome. And and here, listening to your story, Matt, is, is like a lot of our stories as educators, because there was some teacher that inspired each one of us to, to say, I could do this. This is that person that I almost kind of want to model myself after. And Matt, you're doing some incredible things that, that I think a lot of kids are going to model themselves after whether they become teachers or whether they become anything else. Uh, first of all, if you haven't already, follow Matt at Bullis Bit Lab, And of course, I'll be in the show notes as well on Twitter. You're an artist, so you're a teacher, you're a maker, and you still love to keep learning. And I got to say, you just got famous in the summer of 2021. All these news networks are telling your story. So tell us about this, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been kind of surprising, kind of a wild ride, but I have been teaching for three years a course that um, I proposed called mm-hmm. Making for Social Good. Yeah. It's a trimester course that's an elective uh, that takes place in our makerspace, the, the BitLab, as we call it. Yeah. And the idea of that course is to find an organization or an individual uh, an authentic challenge, and then work the design thinking process to actually come up with the solution and fabricate it. And part of the the challenge is to figure out how to do that out of fairly low cost materials or easy tools so that we can share out the idea and other people can replicate it uh, with basic access to tools or a makerspace wherever right. they are. Right. And so uh, this year, we also signed up as part of that class for design challenge called the Make Able Challenge, which was okay. uh, sponsored by Print Lab. And okay. they're doing that again next year. So I highly recommend looking into that because um, it sort of structure of that design challenge. It, it's pretty open ended, but they give you some good resources and the end product that they are looking for it's not overly involved in terms of what you have to submit. And so it really allows for a lot of creativity in the process. And so yeah. we we did that process. I signed up for it. And 
almost immediately after I signed up for it, I was approached by one of the teachers at our school. She's a middle school drama teacher and her husband um, had brain surgery about three years ago and he was left with some balance issues. And so they were about to have their first child and he was concerned about the, his ability to sort of carry his child with balance issues without, you know, creating a safety issue. Right. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, it's a very simple, obvious issue that a yeah. lot of people probably uh, struggle with, but, um, you know, something that presented a lot of opportunity, but they had found a lot of different assistive devices. They have a, a really cool crib that he can use with his wheelchair, but they couldn't find something to allow him to go on a walk or push a stroller right. with their child. So she approached me and I think her thought was that I would come up with an idea, which, you know, sometimes I do that for teachers at the school. But uh, I said, you know, would it would you be willing to let us do this as our focus for for this year's making for social good class? And and she said, Yeah, that would be great. And and luckily, the timing worked out their due date was, you know, early March, which is when the class was ending. So yeah, it's a real project (laughs) due date, right? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty authentic when you can tell your students like the we've got a due date, (laughs) like a real due date. Uh, And so so we did a little research. We did some design thinking. We used some of the resources from the Make Able Challenge, and we came up with two solutions. And they got out there on the local news, uh, the local NBC station, and from there, other networks picked it up, sent inquiries for online articles and the CBS yeah. Evening News. It's it's been kind of crazy how how it's all played out. But uh, yeah. luckily, most of that has focused on the students. Yeah, uh, focused on the class. And, uh, and it's been, it's been really great opportunity for, for my students, I think, just to have that experience. Yeah. And Matt, I was a little bit tongue in cheek when I was saying you were the one getting famous really as educators, (laughs) we want, we want our kids to get that notoriety, that affirmation, that celebration of the things that they're doing. And so many things I'd love to unpack there. And I know a lot of educators are thinking, first of all, I want to see what it looks like. So we got uh, links to the videos and things in the show notes. Again, check out Matt's Twitter feed. You can see some of those links as well. Uh, but the Make Able Challenge from Print Lab, put a show link to that as well. Is that an easy thing to sign up for? Yeah, it's it's a free design challenge. Um, you just register and you know, they, they share all the resources with you. There's It's really neat because if you we were obviously able to find a client in our community, right. uh, which worked out really well. But if you don't have somebody or you, you don't have those connections, they provide some sample clients for you. And so they have recorded interviews that you can show your students and then they can start using that as a, as a basis to, to design from. And it can be a, they have a, a younger age group. So like a middle, more middle school group bracket okay. and then a high school bracket. And, you know, it just, there's not too much involved in submitting and, but the resources that they give are, are, are very useful. Um, they've got some great prizes and, and we won some prizes as part of that, which was, which awesome. was pretty great. But it really helped us focus our thinking and provide, uh, again, another sort of level of authenticity that we were designing for these these right. actual clients. And we were designing it for this challenge as well as to get it out into the world to actually be used. Right. Because you're working with those upper age kids where you can yep. you know, really dive into some of those things a little bit deeper and use some of those yeah. making skills, those STEM skills that kids have been learning all along. A younger education teacher is probably thinking, you know, we may not be able to make something as, as high tech as that, but there's still those types of opportunities out there. You can always adapt. There's yeah, definitely that. Definitely. 
And I know another project that's pretty similar on episode 199 of the podcast, I interviewed Connie Liu from Project Invent. That's another one that's high school age, and uh, they do some things for middle school and things as well. I also love that you said, Matt, that a teacher approached you. Now, that's not always going to happen, that a project is basically <laughs> going to land right on your door. So yeah. it, it may take a little bit of crowdsourcing, getting your kids, you know, starting to ask in the community, how, you know, challenging them to, to look for and brainstorm some ideas. Because you've done this now for three years, this making for social good class, how do you find those, some of those projects? Uh, so what we would normally have done is sort of, uh, you could start with like the UN sustainable development goals mm-hmm. and, and break down possible like concepts, you know, hunger or homelessness or things like that. And just sort of figure out what kids know about them already. A lot of the kids that end up in my class have done service projects in local organizations. And mm-hmm. so uh, I've been teaching at the school for four years, so I don't have a, a ton of connections. I moved from North Carolina to D.C., mm-hmm. but these kids have been here and they've they've worked with organizations. And sometimes they have very close ties with some of those organizations. So right. uh, it's sometimes easier for them to suggest where to look for a client or um, an organization that might need something. And, and part of the process in the design challenge, as well as what we did before, was was doing an interview. So. Once they identify a topic, then they do a little bit of research looking into organizations in the area um, if they don't already know them, and then making contact with those organizations to, we've done site visits of a a food pantry. We've done phone conversations with an organization that works with homeless kids. And so those parts of it uh, are almost, and maybe are more valuable than the end result, um, just having kids make those connections and and ask questions and learn how to ask good questions so that they're prepared and they're ready to actually get some useful information out of those interviews and, you know, obviously make the most out of their time and not waste the person's time on the other end of the line as well. There you go. And that's, that's part of that whole learning process too, because a lot of educators are listening to this, you know, Matt, this is a great idea, great projects and, and things like that. But A, that's going to be a ton of time. And B, I don't hear a lot of, you know, like, okay, they assi- they did this assignment, they turned it in, I can grade it, I can check off the box that they learned these content standards. It, right. Yeah, you got the benefit. <laughs> this is like a little bit of kind of that elective course, that specials course. But sometimes we got to just kind of chuck all those things to the side and say, let's just do what's best for kids. Yeah, I generally at the beginning of the trimester, will have a few assignments, you know, to get them thinking about it in terms of some, you know, the academic side of things. And that generally works pretty well with, all right, come up with five questions that you would ask in an interview and you get a, you get a completion grade for that or Mm -hmm. sketch out a very quick idea of how you might solve this issue just to get some grades in the books. And right. and then once we start in on the projects and, and they're working in teams and they're, you know, if there's two teams, they might be at very different phases. One team is, is having to redesign completely while the other team is refining something that they started with. There's a lot of time middle to the end of the trimester when there's really not grades going in the grade book, right. but they know how they're doing. They know that they're doing the right thing. They know that they're doing well or not based on feedback and based on just what's happening. And I have never had an experience. You have days where some kids work a little bit more focused and some kids are a little bit more engaged than others, but I've never had an experience where a kid, when presented with an opportunity to be creative and be hands-on and help somebody, I've never had a student just sort of 
you know, be disruptive or be problematic with that. Right, right. And 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 again, getting kids using their hands, using their minds at both mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it just activates their their learning so much more. Definitely awesome. And again, there's so many links going to be in the show notes. Check these out, educators, as you're as you're listening and, and thinking about uh, what kind of things you could do to bring into your classroom. Now, it's not all just those big things, kind of like that, Matt. But you've also done. Just simple things like providing STEM kits uh, for the kids for summertime or when they're not in school, just creating some of those. Uh, Tell us about some of those. Yeah, so um, I tend to describe my job uh, as thinking about it more in terms of being a librarian than a teacher. Uh, You know, I the BitLab is a a space that is a community space. Any student can use it. Any teacher can use it. And I do a lot of outreach to teachers. You know, I, I think that maker education is is new enough that there's a lot of teachers that just don't know what it is or right. they're they're yep. they're scared of what it you know might entail that they might have to learn a whole new thing in order to make it work yeah and like i'm so not a, when, i'm not a computer programmer i don't know how right, to exactly. all the different laser cutters and things yep. like that yeah so a librarian is basically there because i don't know where all the books in the library are i don't know what the best resources are but i can go to the librarian and say we're studying this. Can you help me out? <laughs> Sometimes that's all, all I need to say. And, and, yeah. and I mean, librarians are very community minded because that's the type of space that they're in. And so often the answer would be like, oh, yeah, I got this resource and that resource and we can do this. And do you want to come in at this time with your class? And that's how I try to run the BitLab that's on great. that model. One, because it, it just works really well. But two, because it's a model that even the teacher that's been there for 30 years can can understand that model and it helps them understand how they can access the space. So uh, I do tons of, of projects like that with classroom teachers and also these uh, summer camp uh, projects, these summer kits were an outgrowth of a different sort of summer programs happening at Bullis because of pandemic restrictions still going on. Normally I would have a maker summer camp going on in the bit lab, but uh, yeah. that's, that wasn't provided this year. And what they asked me for instead was, could you come up with kits that we could do one a week a, a project that would have some like video instructions so that, you know, again, the, the counselors are not going to be experts in how to build something or how to, how to assemble one of these projects. And so if they have a video that they can show to the campers and, and just follow along a pretty simple tutorial, uh, then, then that, that seems to have worked pretty well. So a lot of it was some of it was stuff that that we found you know i did a lot of brown dog gadgets projects with those are, sewable those are great. yep those are great right and then we've also did some the probably the most difficult thing was you know i wanted to make these da vinci catapults and oh. probably 3d printed you know one of these yourself or or seen them online they're, oh, yeah. they're really cool i said we should we should totally make these right uh what i didn't realize is that what i was making was you know 96 of them and <laughs> so 3d printing that was was going to be a, a big major time challenge luckily helped that was we managed to buy one of the creality's new belt 3d printers so that's awesome yeah. uh, i could basically just you know pick a couple of parts and say print 90 of these and just run it for three days. And then I have my other printers available to do other stuff. So, so, you know, that kind of thing They're they're short little, we've got paper rockets that you can launch off of, you know, PVC pipe, basically stomp rockets. Oh yeah. The one that I had never seen before that was kind of neat. It's called a droposcope. And uh, that is a, 
basically take a syringe held vertically and a little droplet of water hangs at the bottom of the syringe and you point a laser pointer through there and it diffuses the light onto a, a white surface like a wall. And you can actually see little microorganisms swimming around in that droplet of water projected on the wall, which is, is super fun just to wow. watch little critters that you, you know, invisible to the naked eye yeah. projected on the wall. And, and so you're building this thing, but you're also doing this other STEM subject. You can talk about light. You can talk about, you know, obviously microorganisms and water. And wow. I, I was able to, you know, as I was developing that project, show it to our, our STEM teachers and our science teachers who are, are definitely interested in, in having their kids assemble these things for themselves in their science class. And, and That's do pretty science cool. With it. And, and educators, if you just missed that, that was called a droposcope and it's a laser pointer and a syringe and just suck up some water from the local stream or whatever. That's awesome. So many, so many great ideas there, Matt. And I'm thinking too, that a lot of educators, yeah, you may say, okay, well, summer's over or, you know, things like that. Well, that's okay. Kids have breaks all during the year for holidays and different things like that. Just make mm -hmm. up a simple little kit and say, hey, during this next week off, if you're bored, you know, grab one of these kits and, and do something with your family instead of just sitting around and, you know, staring at a screen and just get yeah. your, get your mind going. So Matt, I, I love that perspective of you as a maker coordinator being like a librarian. Um, I think that's just a game changer for a lot of a lot of educators to be thinking about. Uh, you've collaborated yeah. a lot with a lot of other subjects, basically because of that aspect, right? Yeah, definitely. It's I think that a lot of being successful at that is is in the schedule that is set up for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I only teach one class a day. You know that class is is my elective classes, and the rest of my day is set aside for running the space collaborating with teachers and, and making it available to students and helping students on individual projects. So if you are scheduled five blocks a day, then it's going to be really, really hard to have that model functioning for you. But your administration is interested in having, you know, a, a robust maker program, then have them contact me because I'll tell them how much better it is, how much more successful it can be. And it really broadens out who gets access to the space. You know, I, when it's all elective based, unless you have a particular culture at your school where kids are willing to try anything, right? Uh, the people that sign up for tech electives, you know, everybody still sees, I think we have as much glitter and hot glue <laughs> as we do 3D printers. They still see it as a tech space yeah. and mm -hmm. it can be intimidating for kids. They don't feel like that's a space that's open to them. And yeah. so by running it this way, you know, when I do a project for ninth grade English, every single ninth grade student ends up making something in the BitLab. And That's awesome. if they really enjoy it, then there are classes that they can sign up for. And if they didn't really enjoy it, well, at least they got the experience and, yeah. and they can say that they did and, and they got some some experience of that creative process. Yeah, you're basically marketing your own class to uh, to all those kids. Definitely. By, and, yeah. and, and you know what, that's that's what we need to do as educators to help break down some of those barriers that kids think that they have that I can't use this high tech stuff or or these hands-on things. I, you know, I'm, I just don't work that way. I'm more of a literary person, you know, just yeah. help kids to, to just get rid of all that junk out of their mind. And, and again, just try and see what they come up with. And you know, Matt, I'm a, I'm a fellow high school teacher myself. And sometimes it's hard to get those kids to just be creative, to, to yes. kind of let the, let the limitations go. And because um, they're so used to, I want to do this right, because this is how my teacher said it had to be done or turned in instead of being a, a creative pretending kid, like, like they used to be. 
Right. Yeah, there's something that happens, particularly for girls in middle school, um, where they decide that it's not for them anymore. Even even if it was a thing that they did a lot of in elementary school and excel that, yeah. uh, there there there's a lot of research about what is happening in that middle school level, and yeah. particularly I think that's when students start to identify themselves with something. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of curricula is set up that way, where in middle school and ninth grade you have suddenly electives and you are picking and you feel like what you're picking defines you in some way when you're an adolescent. And and it's hard as much as I'm an adult and I can say, no, I would, you know, sign up for everything, try everything. That's not how it feels in the social environment of, of a ninth grade student or an, you know, an eighth grade student. And so uh, as much as I can push against that and try to get everybody into the space and doing something that, if you are, if you really love art, you know, I loved art as a, as yeah. a student. And if I could have gone into the makerspace as a part of my art class and experienced that way earlier in life, that might have, you know, helped me push into this direction a, a lot sooner. Right. But then again, Matt, you might not have ended up in the, in the exact space that you are right now doing the incredible things that inspire that next generation of makers, creators, innovators, uh, inventors. Yep. So I love, I love asking everybody, Matt, uh, what do you, what do you hope is kind of the future of, I know you've talked about so many great things. I think you've probably got a pretty good perspective on what you uh, would like to see STEM and making education look like. Yeah, I would just really love to see that hands-on aspect become more of a default and less mm-hmm. of an add-on. You know, if you can see students learning and understanding through what they can make with their hands, not in an equal way to what they can answer on a test, but in a in an equally important way. And I'm not a believer that we need to get rid of all tests. Right. Uh, you know, I would have enjoyed that as a, as a student, <laughs> but I'm not sure that that's necessarily the best thing right. uh, for, for our world. But I do think it should be on par with other ways of demonstrating learning and yeah. And having maker spaces that allow students to to really show with their hands and with their creativity and and what they can do, what they're capable, and how they can take knowledge and apply it to problems rather than just uh, you know memorize or apply it in in an abstract way mm-hmm. in a paper or a presentation or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I think the more that we can have students making actual objects and understand that process would be really important because so much has changed in just the last 10 years in terms of the access to really high tech things like right. 3d printing, like yeah. laser cutting, you don't have to have one yourself. You can, a lot of public libraries have maker spaces or even just a 3d printer sitting on a shelf that you can, you can use for free. Yeah. And, you know, so I would love the idea of kids that come up with some idea or solution and they take it down to their public library and they 3d print it. And then, and then, you know, they, they share it with the world. And that's right. a, that's a very important skill that I think it it's clear that high school students and middle school students and lower school students can can do that. You don't have to wait till college to get that uh, process rolling. Exactly. And again, make it more hands-on as a default than an add-on. Uh, love that. That's so, yeah. so important. We've got those concepts that we need to teach kids, but I tell you what, those kids that designed that wheelchair stroller combination, I mean, that wasn't a test, but... <laughs> That was yep. more of a, that was more of a test than anything they faced in their lives, I'm sure. So, uh, I hope one, so. yeah, <laughs> I, I I can only imagine what those kids are going to do in the future, and just just knowing that they can do something incredible like that. One last question, Matt: If you could have somebody from STEM, past or present, come in your classroom and inspire your kids, who would that be? 
You know, I think that it would be really interesting. Leonardo da Vinci is probably yeah. the the name that pops up for me. You know, as, coming from the art background, mm. you learn to think of him as an artist who did other things. Uh, yeah. But, you know, now that I'm in the maker world, I really see him as a maker. And art yeah. was one aspect of what he made. Yeah. All of all of the designs that uh, you know are in his sketchbooks, and some of which never got made, but until now, and, and mm-hmm. people are actually testing them out now and, and finding that they work right. the way that he thought that they would work. I think that would be yeah. that would be pretty interesting. Yeah, he's pretty much the you know original maker, I guess you could say. Right. You know, a lot a lot of those sketches make great artwork for your classrooms. Educators Absolutely. print those out or get the kids to recreate them somehow and get them up on your walls, inspire your kids anyway. Especially that history connection as well. So Matt, it's been great chatting with you today. Uh, I just love the things uh, that you're doing. Uh, any other any other last thoughts, big words of advice for all those educators out there? Be open to, to just giving it a try and, and don't feel like if things don't come out exactly the way that you expect, certainly most of my projects don't end up on the <laughs> evening news. Right. Uh, it's, it's about the process of creating them and a simple object that gets created and then talked about and, and looked at, well, how could it be made better is, is just as valuable as something that comes out super successful. That's awesome. Really appreciate it today, Matt. And uh, all the best to you and, and all your students as you keep making those incredible things there in the BitLab. Thank you for having me. Again, find out more about Matt Ziegler at Bullis BitLab on Twitter. And again, show notes, so many great things to check out. If you heard anything, you were like, that's a great idea. Uh, Click on those links and and follow those things and find out more because it's all about making things better for our kids. Again, you can connect with me at Daily STEM and uh, find out more about all the great episode podcasts by subscribing or looking through the archives on dailystem.com. And again, educators, just keep on doing what you're doing every day to make things better for the kids in your classroom. You're doing the most important job for these kids.